how do I know if I can trust my spouse again? This question represents one of the most profound dilemmas a betrayed spouse will struggle with as they journey towards healing after a significant betrayal. How do I know I'm not going to get hurt again? How do I know I'm not just being a fool to trust him or her? Trust is so easy to break and so hard to build. Today, we'd like to give you more insight into the dynamics at play in this important struggle. The Marriage Podcast for Smart People is designed to help busy couples like yourselves move away from conflict and unhappiness to build a marriage you'll love today and treasure for a lifetime. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Learn how you can help save marriages, prevent divorces, and keep families intact by going to oyf.support. Once again, that website is oyf.support. And now, here are your hosts, Caleb and Valinda Simone Gundel from Only You Forever. Welcome to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People. If you want to build a thriving, passionate marriage, we've got the research, the truth, and the answers you're looking for. We have an episode for you that will help bring clarity to a significant question for betrayed partners. This is episode number 277. And today we're going to be talking about how to figure out this whole trust question after a betrayal. How do I know if or when I can trust my spouse again? Hey there, before we get started, if you missed last episode, we talked about the five pillars of attachment. Mm-hmm. Very important kind of core topic in marriage that's worth going back and checking out and make sure you hit that subscribe button so you don't miss upcoming shows from us. If you're struggling with your marriage, we offer sound research-based advice and most of all, we offer hope. All right, Caleb. Yes. Knowing when you can trust your spouse again, this must be like a huge topic. It is quite a large topic and it's also a very individual one as you could probably imagine too, Mm -hmm. but there are some general things that we can point out that are definitely going to be helpful. Okay. And we're going to get to some of those very practical signs that you can look for as indicators of trust or that it's legitimate to begin to trust. Okay. But first, there may actually be some factors at work in our listeners' experience that might be independent of the trustworthiness or the lack thereof of their spouse. So let's start okay. there. Okay. So the reason I can't trust might not be because of my spouse. Might not entirely be because of your spouse. Okay. Yep. Okay. So we want to talk about betrayal trauma. We have some episodes on this, but just to kind of summarize that, betrayal often causes symptoms of trauma to appear. Like when you have Mm -hmm. a betrayal experience, Mm -hmm. you can have symptoms like avoidance, like not wanting to deal with what has happened. And that can look like even terminating your marriage, ending your marriage. That's an avoidance strategy. I've heard that quite a bit. For, yeah. Like, I don't even know if I want to stay here anymore. Yep. And Mm -hmm. sometimes folk will stay. I heard of a case the other day where they relocated to another state in the U.S. And uh, just kind of left the whole story behind and never dealt with it. So that's a symptom of trauma. That's avoidance in a different route. And they just, you know, air quotes, got on with their marriage. Wow. So avoidance is definitely something you want to watch out for. Uh, hypervigilance, which is a fear response. So that's really kind of scrutinizing all your spouse's behaviors, uh, mm-hmm. digging through their stuff, searching, researching, double checking, uh, interrogating. Obsessive questioning is another trauma response where it's just like you just keep kind of grilling your spouse and you, you okay. really find it hard to stop. Rage against your spouse, a fight response. It's normal to have anger after betrayal. Mm-hmm. And again, we're not sort of pathologizing and say you shouldn't do any of these things. We're just saying these are symptoms of trauma. Okay. Numbness is another one. So just having it, that's kind of like a freeze response if you think about fight, flight, freeze. Mm-hmm. Numbness is like a freeze one where it's just a way of coping with the pain of what happened is to freeze it off, to numb mm-hmm. over it and not deal with it. 
Now, think about how much emotional mental space can get taken up by trying to figure out what happened with a betrayal. And often folks are dealing with just part of the information, not all of the information. Here's a very descriptive quote that we found in some of the research, a study from 2005. And it says, a primary disruption experienced by the injured partner is intrusive, persistent rumination about the event which can become so overwhelming and uncontrollable, that's the rumination, that it interferes with both concentration and daily functioning. So it's kind of a scientific way of saying this thing can completely derail you and consume all your thinking space, right? Yeah. And so just think about the question we're trying to answer, like how do I know if I can trust my spouse after betrayal? Mm -hmm. And if you're experiencing these symptoms of betrayal trauma leading to this total sort of rumination over all the facts... That's about a process that's incurring sort of entirely inside the betrayed spouse because of what the betraying spouse has done, all of which will protect you from reaching out in trust again if your spouse is completely has returned to a trustworthy place. I'm very delicately saying that the symptoms of the betrayal can prevent you from trusting when you should, and it would be safe okay. to trust. Okay. Yeah. And that's not always the case, but in that, I'm saying mm-hmm. this in a mm-hmm. case where it might be legitimate to trust again, your own symptoms because of what happened might get in the way. Okay. So those same researchers go on to observe that a major cognitive response associated with the discovery of an affair is the change in beliefs about the partner and the relationship. One can no longer trust in his or her partner or feel safe within the relationship. So trauma affects what you believe about your spouse. That's kind of what they're saying there. And this is kind of the point. They betrayed you. The betrayal causes trauma. In the ensuing fallout, it's possible that you have these major cognitive, like thinking and emotional changes that might have occurred in your spouse that has betrayed you. Maybe they've had these profound changes, like they've realized the error. There's incredible remorse, regret. They've made changes and commitments Mm -hmm. to themselves and to you. And they're now actually a trustworthy person. But if your trauma is unresolved and unhealed, the trauma itself will prevent you from seeing, believing, and acting on that newfound trauma trustworthiness. Okay. Okay. So I'm not saying that all betraying spouses become trustworthy. Yours may not be if you're listening today, but I'm saying there are some cases where yours may now be, but your trauma prevents you from acknowledging this because your trauma is still protecting you or the symptoms of your trauma are preventing you from getting hurt again. Might be a better way to put that. Okay. So in conjunction with your spouse doing what is necessary to become a changed trustworthy person, then you as the betrayed partner will also need to take care of this trauma and pursue healing and recovery from it, right? Mm-hmm. And this is kind of a burn because it's not your fault and you didn't cause it, but their trustworthiness can't fix your trauma. Right. So it's hard for me to listen to this, like through the ears of the betrayed spouse. Yeah. Because if the betraying spouse is also listening, like how is it not just going to be turned on them and like, well, this well, is your fault, yeah. right? Like this is just your yeah. problem. I'm actually trustworthy. Fair question. I think... uh a trustworthy betraying spouse will say, yes, I caused this. And I understand that your healing may not follow the same trajectory or speed as mine. Mm-hmm. And you take all the time you need and I'll do whatever I can to support you because I caused this. Oh, okay. I caused what you're experiencing. Okay. Rather than like, See, what's wrong with it's you? It's your Hurry problem. Up. I'm fine. Yeah. That's actually, and we'll get into that. That's more of a sign of, okay, this person's not really trustworthy because they're still blame shifting. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So it's a very valid question. And primarily too, I... I hope betraying spouses listening to this will remember that what we've just said is really for betrayed spouses to consider as they reflect yes. on their situation. Yeah. Yeah. It's not for someone else to tell to you use. to use against no. you. 
Okay. So that is, we are speaking to spouses who've been betrayed here. As you reflect on your spouse, we want to give you some warning signs, some proceed with caution signs now as we get to this next part. Keeping in mind that trust is not a switch that you flip Mm -hmm. from off back to on. It's more like a savings account. It needs to be built up steadily over time. And then any real or perceived betrayals, those are sudden major withdrawals from that savings account. So you can actually flip the switch to off, but it's like a bank account. When you want to build it back up, it takes way longer than you want. Right. It's much easier to spend than save. Okay. Okay. Oh, I was just going to say, okay, so what are some warning signs here? Okay. The delicate part with warning signs is that there are normal levels of these problems. Like I'm going to talk about defensiveness. Okay. Like in everybody's marriage, you mean there's normal levels? Most married men are defensive. Okay. Most married some women wives are. Do. <laughs> uh, so I've been told for Linda. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Are defensive, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, ideally these don't occur at all, but we all have some bad behavior even when we're not in a betraying place. Okay. Yeah. So just keep that in mind. Like if you're trying to get to target levels of zero, it may not be possible. Just sort of take the tenor of what we're saying. But that's why you have to build up the savings account. Cause then if you get a withdrawal, it's not crashing your marriage. Yeah. It could be an accidental withdrawal or yeah. something too, right? In the sense of you promised something and then you got sidewinded by something else and you couldn't fulfill your commitment or. Yeah. Yeah. So I would say that high levels of these issues that we're going to talk about, though they should represent major warning signs that you maybe should not be trusting yet or maybe not ever unless you see some significant changes. So there's some circumstances where... The betraying spouse never returns to a trustworthy place. Really? Yeah. That's sad. Yeah. Okay. Okay, So the first one I want to talk about is like defensiveness, but I'm going to call it pathological defensiveness. Okay. So... This is about being too defensive versus being normally defensive. Every spouse who has betrayed that I have talked to is initially defensive. So that's normal. It's normal to try to minimize what happened, to say it wasn't that bad, or to say, look, no, don't look at it. That's not how it was. That's often an attempt by the betrayer to keep the betrayed spouse from feeling too badly about what happened. They're trying Mm -hmm. to reduce your distress, right? Yep. And not only that, but sometimes betraying spouses are defensive because of their own shame. They feel so horrible about what they did. They can't tolerate that that shame. So they try to, to turn the volume on the bad on on sort of that bad person dial back to zero. I'm not that bad. Oh, because if I sit in that, it feels so horribly uncomfortable that I actually did that. So they try to, so they're still being defensive here, still minimizing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now those behaviors are not helpful. They need to stop, but I'm going to say they're not necessarily signs of untrustworthiness. It's because these are normal. I have seen these occur in betraying spouses who become trustworthy spouses. Okay, so if you're seeing this defensiveness, it might mean that they're not trustworthy yet. Correct. It doesn't necessarily mean they're not trustworthy Never. at all. Okay. Correct, yes. Okay, so what is then... Or, But or, let me also ahead. say this for Linda, like I've, again, a betraying spouse who had an affair completely realizes a mistake, is never going to go back there, mm-hmm. right? But they still act like this as they're trying to sort it out with their spouse. Oh. Right? Hmm. So that's... That's weird to figure out. Like I have the benefit of hindsight looking at cases, but our listeners are in a situation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I'm just going to share that experience. To answer your question though, what you really want to watch for is a warning sign that this person is likely to betray again, or quite possibly could, or at risk of, let me put it that way, higher risk, mm-hmm. is if they're accepting zero responsibility for what happened. or if How they, can you accept zero responsibility when you did something? I went out with my buddies. They started drinking. Bob slipped oh. me a shot of whiskey. Next thing I knew. Oh. Yes, mm-hmm. right? Mm. So, or if there's total denial in the face of the evidence, 
or gaslighting, right? So total denial in the face of the evidence means like, no, that didn't happen like this. No. Okay. They're kind of going against the scant few bits of facts that you have. Or gaslighting. I actually heard this one the other day. Why would someone try to wreck our marriage by saying I'm cheating on you? As the affair partner is writing to the betrayed partner. Oh my dear. Saying, hey, I'm having an affair with your spouse. So these are all, and then the spouse is saying, well, why would someone just randomly do this to our marriage? Why would they pick on us? The betraying partner is saying this, right? So this is, that's clearly that kind of defensiveness and hiding and whatever means your spouse is not in a trustworthy place at all. Yes, I agree. And they're not ready to be a trustworthy person, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that's the kind of level of, that's where it really gets pathological. Like that's in a... It's beyond the normal levels of defensiveness. Okay. So a second item to watch for as a warning sign is blame shifting. If you're still getting blamed, you weren't sexy enough. You weren't whatever. Do people say that? You were too busy. Some people say that. You were off chasing your career. Okay. All that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. right? Or maybe the, the betraying spouse is blaming the circumstances that led to the issue. They're really painting themselves as the victim. Mm-hmm. So people who don't accept responsibility and who blame others, they see themselves as victims of circumstances. And it's possible, you know, if that's a way of thinking for this person, if they became a victim once and found themselves in this unfortunate situation ah. where they got, you know, ended up betraying you totally What's, out of their control. Well, how do you know it's not going to happen again? Exactly. He'll become a victim again or she'll become uh, a victim again. But on the other hand, people who demonstrate agency, like that they made that choices. I made a choice where I disregarded you and I disregarded our marriage and I chose to do this and it was wrong. Yeah. They can accept responsibility. They can make the changes to create safety in their marriage. So the person who acts like they have the power to control their choices mm-hmm. is a more trustworthy person than who, one who's always a victim. Mm-hmm. It almost sounds backwards. Like you think that it would be harder on your spouse to hear, it was my fault, I made this decision yes. and I hurt you. Yes. But yet that's what they need to hear. And your spouse already knows that. They're going to be like, duh, no kidding. Thank you for finally saying that. Uh, and then you can move on. I thought it would on. be a sweet moment, but not necessarily. Well, not necessarily. Okay. If they fought it over it for a while, okay. there might be some relief. It may be sweet in some cases. <laughs> I kinda, <laughs> Probably not. I, it's, it's never a romantic moment. No, because it just sounds so wrong. Yeah. But I think we got that one. Okay. okay so so that's, blame shifting. So the first one is really ba- major defensiveness, what I call pathological defensiveness. Second was blame shifting. Third yeah. is being non-committal. That's where the spouse, the betraying spouse, won't verbally and sincerely commit to repair and restoration of the marriage. And this if, may this be this is a, the betraying spouse. Yes, this may oh. be a sign that she or he is still keeping their options open, or they're still considering the affair partner as an alternative. So not everybody who gets dragged into couples therapy after an affair has actually come to the place where they've let go of the affair partner. Really? Right? Like, even in that case, though, the betrayed spouse often is so desperate to have this heal, to have their spouse back, to have a normal family life, that I'm just going to paint a picture. They're like building a bridge of trust out towards this person. But Mm -hmm. what they're building their bridge out towards is really a moving target because this person hasn't really stopped and started building back towards you. Okay. Your bridge will fall. Okay. Your bridge will fall. So if they're non-committal, that's a warning sign that they're not ready to be trustworthy. Hmm. 
All right. That's interesting. Okay. Now, if you are on the betraying side of this and you're listening today, first of all, good for you for listening. It takes courage to listen to people talking about what has happened to your spouse and what they're going through. Mm -hmm. So we do have an additional download for betraying spouses. It's a PDF guide that talks about the basics of attunement and how you can use specific behaviors to help rebuild trust in your marriage. So this is kind of building the bridge from your side. You can get this bonus PDF guide by becoming a patron of the Marriage Podcast for Smart People. And we'll take a short 60-second break here to tell you more about that. What happens when the fairy tale marriage meets reality? Too often, high expectations lead to disappointment, communication breaks down, and the struggles of day-to-day life become overwhelming, leaving you feeling lost and without hope. Unfortunately, marriage does not come with an instruction manual. Marriage troubles are deeply personal and can take a toll on you, your spouse, and your family. Counseling can be expensive and divorce is very costly. It doesn't have to be this way. Caleb and Valinda understand your pain and frustration. Their mission is to help save as many marriages as possible. And to date, thousands of couples are helped through their weekly podcast. But the most important marriage they want to help save is yours. With a minimum of a $10 investment a month, you gain access to exclusive bonus content and valuable information to help you succeed in your own marriage. Learn more about saving marriages and how you can help at OYF.support. That's OYF.support. You're listening to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People. Before the break, we are talking about being non-committal and blame-shifting and pathological defensiveness. Okay, and then you said we have a guide for the betraying spouse. Yeah. Do you not worry that by giving the betraying spouse like the, the words or the tools that they'll just dope their betrayed spouse into trusting them? Well, trust is built by reliable behavior over time. So if someone's trying to dope you, they won't be able to do the reliable over time part. They'll dose it on you for a couple of days. Okay. And then the bad habits will come back. Okay. Yeah. If they're not sincere. Okay. Yeah. Unless they're like pathologically insincere, in which case you have a whole nother level of challenges. Like that's a fairly hopeless situation. Like if they can maintain a layer of deception after a deception for years mm-hmm. and are willing to lead you down a total charade for that long, mm-hmm. that's okay. not a good sign. No. Okay. Yep. So the fourth warning sign that I kind of, I bundled a few things in here. Okay. Okay. And I'm just calling it unaddressed entitlement or narcissism, unaccountability or compulsivity. And those are all different things. They're all different things, but they have some overlap. Okay. So just kind of touching on like personality disorders here, not all personality disorders lead to affairs, but if you are married to someone with histrionic personality disorder, they, it sometimes will show up as an, like a, an over flaunting of sexuality leads to affairs. If you're married to someone who has narcissistic personality disorder, they might feel that they deserve everything the world has to offer, including you being a faithful spouse to them while they do whatever other things they want to do. Hmm. Unaccountability. So just let me pause there for a sec. There are some unaddressed expressions of bipolar disorder and not every person with, in fact, most people, nearly all people with bipolar disorder are still faithful spouses. Okay. But some... Some manifestations of, I forget which type of bipolar disorder it is, during the manic phase, they're pursuing affairs. Okay. Okay. Until these kinds of underlying personality disorders or mental health issues are addressed and treated, it's probably not wise to consider trusting again. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because the, the deeper changes required to be a committed, safe partner have not been realized. 
Huh. Yeah. And then I mentioned unaccountability, which is the refusal to accept any form of accountability. Now, again, betraying spouses often get frustrated by the hypervigilance of the betrayed spouse. Why are you checking my phone? Why are you Mm, checking my email again? That kind of stuff. But the refusal to accept any form of responsibility, that's an issue. Mm. It's a normal part of the distress following a betrayal for there to be cross-examination and scrutiny and sometimes interrogations. Those are difficult. But when the betraying spouse manifests a consistent ongoing refusal to accept any form of accountability for several months or a year or two afterwards, that's a warning sign. Like under no circumstances will I be held accountable to you and absolutely like I can have this separate Mm. piece of my life or my life hidden in this way. That's not trustworthy. No, not at all. Yeah. Okay. But that's different from people sort of objecting to. Like, are you still needing to check up on me? Yeah. Kind of thing. Yeah. And really I, you know, when I'm working with betraying spouses and then I'm like, you know what, you have to just carry that for now because you created this reaction Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. still. Right. Okay. And then compulsivity I mentioned too, which is just that see an opportunity act like no thinking is happening. There's no connection in the person's mind from the desire that they have to the consequence of acting on that desire. If there's action that continues without consideration of you as the betrayed spouse, this is kind of a necessary ingredient for betrayal to occur, is wanting to do something and not thinking about who it's going to impact. Consequence, okay, yeah. Yeah, so as long as there's evidence of this kind of compulsivity, it's probably not safe to trust. Right. Yeah, that has to be addressed. Why that? And that can be addressed? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Fixable, okay. Why is it so compulsive for you? Okay, so what if your marriage is like really dysfunctional or... Yeah. Like, is that a warning sign? Like, I can't trust my spouse because we're so all over the map? Well, there are higher rates of affairs in distressed marriages versus happy marriages, for sure. Okay. But there are plenty of dysfunctional marriages with conflict, with like Gottman's Four Horsemen, criticism, contempt, defensiveness, and stonewalling, mm-hmm. with unresolved issues. And yet in those marriages, the partners never engage in infidelity. Okay. So they're more at risk, but yeah. it's not like a cause and yeah. effect. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And... Following a betrayal, you'll almost always have in the marriage lots of conflict, lots of unresolved issues, lots of resentment, unmet emotional needs, right? Mm -hmm. And it's tough because you have to take care of your marriage and also repair it as well. But these are signs of conflict and distress. They're not necessarily signs of unfaithfulness. I think that's what I'm trying to say here is that the distress in your marriage doesn't necessarily mean you can't trust your spouse. It's just that it's normal to be distressed afterwards. Okay. And probably, possibly, in in many cases, the dysfunction that was in the marriage and not really acknowledged before is now Mm. all on the table. Mm -hmm. Right. And probably like amplified. Yes. And you may look at that and say, okay, we have all this going on between us. Surely this person must be untrustworthy, but they may actually be trustworthy. It's just now we have to solve the what was happening in the marriage. Already. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. So are we done the That's non-trustworthy the parts? Yep. Those are the warning signs. Okay. So what are some signs that they are ready to be trusted? Okay. So um, I'm going to give the opposites of the above. That's kind of one okay. subsection here of what we just covered. And then I'm going to give you some signs of relational health to look for that are signs that, okay, this is looking right. Okay. So defensiveness, what you're looking for is a decrease in that over time. Oh, and yes. more empathy for the impact on you as the betrayed spouse without your betraying spouse dissolving into their own shame Okay. kind of thing, right? So yeah. decreasing defensiveness over time, that's a sign of... Okay. Accepting responsibility is a good sign, which is that looks like the betraying spouse acknowledging the impact of their actions on you. Mm. 
-hmm. Here's what I did. This is how it impacted you. Yeah. So own your own. Along with remorse, dirt. recognizing and owning the damage, the hurt that it caused, trying to make amends. Okay. Even for that. I was under the impression that they weren't supposed to try and make amends, like just because that comes across as being defensive. Yes. Often, um, usually it's best to, to acknowledge the impact on your spouse and just and stop. stop for a period of time even and then make amends later. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But amends is a good sign. Okay. Yeah. Voicing commitment to the marriage, like seeing your betraying spouse, verbalizing mm -hmm. their commitment to you in the marriage and then acting on that. So they're investing at home. They're willing to work with you on stuff. They're willing to have the hard conversations. Mm, okay. They, they're not just shutting it all down. I'm all here. I'm not going anywhere. I want to oh, work on hard. this. I mm -hmm. want to fix this. That kind of thing. That's a okay. good sign. Personal growth. In them, so they're seeing them facing their own personal issues, them working on themselves, taking charge of their mental health, recognizing their own dysfunction, being able to name it, mm -hmm. seeking change, pursuing help via shepherding at church, like mm -hmm. pastoral work, or from good friends, friends mm -hmm. of the marriage, or from therapists, like counselors, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So really kind of taking, you know, getting their junk sorted yeah. as to why they went down that road. Okay. That's a good sign. And then accountability. It's a good sign if, if your spouse is willing to be accountable for their actions. So they're going to tell you where they're going, when they're going out. They're willing oh, to, okay. to give you the extra details to reassure you. Right. So Again, this gets frustrating at times for them, but they understand the need to do it. Yeah, because it's their own fault that they're in this yeah, situation in the first place. Their actions have prompted you to need to know this. Right. So this is even more detail probably than a couple who hasn't had a betrayal. Yeah, Absolutely. And okay. this is, remember, this is the opposite of hiding or saying, mm, or totally yes. blocking, like I can have this part of my life to myself. Okay. And then also a kind of, this is a good one, like a preference towards honesty over self-protection. And this is an important one. I like this one as well. It's more like, I'd rather be truthful for you, even if that's going to make it difficult for us, than mm -hmm. to hide something else from you. So for example, if an affair partner, a former affair partner, and assuming that that's ended, if that partner reaches back out the betraying spouse would rather tell you and face your distress. They'd rather let you know that this happened and they declined the mm -hmm. call or declined a reply, but they're letting you know that it happened rather than just hiding it and hoping you don't find out. Mm -hmm. yeah. So when they tell you something that they could have got away with, but would rather have honesty and disclosure than just sort of go with a happy wife, happy life. She doesn't know it's not going to hurt her. That's a good sign. Even though it'll bring more pain for Even though you spouse. guys will go back to the pain, like they'd rather have the consequence of something they're really not guilty of because they understand the need for honesty between you. Wow. That's a okay. huge stress factor. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Rather than just hoping to get away with it. Right. And that you won't find out. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of opposite to the above. That was, again, opposite of um, hiding or covering or being compulsive, right? Is really being proactive. Mm -hmm. Now, in, in terms of signs of relational health, and these are not just sort of general happy marriage stuff, but I think these ones are particularly relevant to what we're talking about here. One is benevolence. So if, you're, if your spouse is genuinely interested in your welfare and not just his or her own welfare, that's a good sign. Like they want what's good for you. That's what benevolence is. Okay. Is your spouse motivated individualistically, like to further their own goals, or are they now motivated cooperatively? They're looking for joint, you know, benefit, joint good, like between you. So are they are they acting for themselves only or are they acting for us? Okay. Okay. 
That's benevolence. Okay. Yeah. Generally, when there's been an affair, there's been a pattern of acting for self. Ah, I see. Okay. So this represents a shift. Mm -hmm. Uh, Honesty is another one. So if your spouse does things that show that they are being honest with you, for example, being willing to disclose where they're going, when they go out, that kind of stuff, that's a sign that you can begin to trust them again. So fourth, I guess I would say with that, like forthrightness. Right. Okay. And also kind of tying to what I just said is they'll, they'll be honest even when it hurts. Right. And this is offering information before they're asked for it, right? Yes. Volunteering especially, it. Especially. Okay. Yeah. Commitment. Commitment reassures the betrayed spouse that they're in this together, right? And when you see a spouse who's willing to repair the relationship to make things work, that's good. Mm-hmm. It's knowing you want to have the sense that your betraying spouse is putting your needs at the top of their list, that they're willing to make sacrifices for you in your relationship and not in a way that you're prompting them to do it or setting it up for them, but they really are, they're holding you in higher esteem. Okay. They couldn't have held you in high esteem before when they were in the affair. No. Right? So now when you see them doing this for you out of their own volition, that's a sign of increasing trustworthiness. Okay. What do you think? You're kind of reacting to something there? Yeah, I... I feel like this could almost be a sign of not trustworthiness. Like if they're putting you on such a high thing and it's your needs and and yeah. like it might not be sincere. Like not fawning or flattery. Okay, okay. Where they're just trying to repair and get you happy again. Yeah. But yeah, like you'll, I think people will know when this is authentic versus okay. oh yeah, you're just sucking up because you screwed up like right right yeah okay yeah the another sign of good relational health that's connected to trustworthiness is a willingness to create new boundaries so if there were factors that led to infidelity in your relationship so Mm -hmm. for example such as your spouse was always willing to go for lunch with a member of the opposite sex and now your spouse is willing to set boundaries on that to make sure that you feel safe and that they don't ever get into a situation where it could lead them down that road again yeah that's a sign of trustworthiness they're actually willing to shift their boundaries. Okay, yeah. And when when betraying spouses don't do this, I often see their betrayed spouse objecting to it until they, they figure it out. Yeah, for sure. I can see that. But but in, you know, in slight defense of the betraying spouse, they worry about a, like a loss of freedom here. Uh-huh. But, so just hold a thought. <laughs> You're ready to jump on that, right? Yes. Yes, they have a loss of freedom. Okay. That's a valid concern. Yes. But at the end of the day, the betrayed spouse doesn't want a doormat either. No. But they need to see that you're willing to make the changes to f- for them to be safe, that you would honor them above some of these personal preferences that led to the betrayal. And when they see you doing that and they begin to trust you again and you guys repair the marriage, then often some of the restrictions that were necessary immediately following the betrayal mm-hmm. will be loosed. Okay. I can't remember what my initial law. Uh... Yeah. Is sitting okay with you now though? Yeah, I think so. But like, like, okay, poor you, you have restrictions put on you, but I mean, what have you just done to your marriage? You've just torn your marriage apart by focusing on these other, I wouldn't even call them needs. I don't even know what you call it, but so they don't even have the right to complain about it. When they've put themselves in that situation. Uh, yeah. Do they? Or do they? Well, so let me give you an example. I think you're doing pretty good, but let me give you an example, right? So let's just say not even infidelity in that sense, but pornography has been hidden for a long time. It comes out. 
that he's been looking at it on his smartphone, mm-hmm. right? And and she says flip phone, but he conducts all his business on his smartphone. Hmm. Now what, right? Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I would, you know, and that thing, you know, we kind of like, can you possibly work with like your laptop and a flip phone for a while? And quite often down the road when he's demonstrated reliable behavior and he's able, like maybe you'll put accountability on his smartphone, mm-hmm. you can return to using that again. But it's probably not a bad idea for you to take a break from your smartphone anyways. Yeah, true enough. Right? So okay. something like that. So a willingness to create new boundaries. Okay. At least for a period of time as it relates to how the betrayal happened. Should we put it that way? Okay. So if the betrayal always happened, you know, with going out for lunch with members of the opposite sex or traveling, work, travel with them, you know, going to a flip phone might not be the right consequence there. It's irrelevant. But then I also see that people have poor boundaries and they get into these situations. Like if there's a pattern of drinking at a work event Mm -hmm. and then you hook up with someone at the work event and you have an affair Mm -hmm. because you're intoxicated, then maybe it has to be like no alcohol at work events if you have to do the work events. And that you will always hold that boundary to make sure that your wife or your husband Mm. knows that she or he is safe. Mm -hmm. That's legit. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's a willingness to create a new boundary. And in that case, a permanent one. So the fifth sign is consistent integrity. So this extends to small things as well as big things. Uh, A study in 2016 noted that even the most unintentional, uneventful, or unpremeditated fib or lie can set the betrayed partner's healing back. And then they give an example of a couple in their study. For example, Suze's affair ended two months prior to both her and Derek entering couples counseling. A year into these researchers' work with this couple, Suze told Derek that she would be home from yoga at 5 p.m. Instead, she stopped to see a friend on the way home. When she returned home at 6 p.m., Derek was livid. I can't Mm. tell you how often I see this in my own counseling cases. The issue is not her friend right? But rather, as he explained, you lied to me. The agreement was that you would come straight home from yoga unless you notified me. Right. So there's untruthfulness, maybe not even intentional, Yeah. but part of the repair towards trustworthiness requires a, a higher commitment to honesty and integrity than what was held before. Hmm. In, and yeah. that shows up in little details. Yeah. Trust is built by reliable behavior over time. Yeah. Do you know what? What? This has nothing to do with marriage, but like as a teenager, if I had a curfew, like if I was going to be late, I would find a payphone and I would phone them and say, this is exactly where I am. You're you know, I'm going to be 10 minutes there, late. Erlinda. Okay. So we didn't have <laughs> cell phones then. Yeah. Or I didn't anyways. But I had some friends who like, oh, it's only 10 minutes. It doesn't matter. But that broke trust little yeah. by little over time. Yeah. And so then there wasn't the same trustworthy. Whereas my parents knew if I wasn't home, they would know like one minute before my curfew exactly where I was kind of thing. Yeah. That's all this, in this example, all she had to do was say, you know what? I'm stopping to see my friend. Yeah. That's honest. Right. And maybe he would be mad at that because he had supper ready or who knows what. Yeah, but but it's not going to trigger the betrayal. It won't be that. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Let's wrap it up. Okay. Thank you to Alexandra and Ian and Kara and Rhonda and Jane and Richard for becoming patrons between this recording and our previous one. During this really uncertain time, your support to all of our patrons means the world. So thank you. Oh, and we have an iTunes review from the United States. Five stars from Raindrop007. Says, keeps on giving, age 57 and working on second marriage. Great info that only applies to my situations randomly. But I love to listen just to hear people with good communication skills talk about anything. That's interesting. Kind of like if you have a good voice, you can make singing this phone book sound good. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Some yes. days I wonder about our communication skills, but I'm glad that they think we're uh, doing okay. Good. Yeah. Next episode. We're going to define verbally and emotionally abusive behavior. 
Mm, that one won't be as fun. No. But you that found is, this one fun? Um, no, I guess it wasn't really <laughs> what I call fun. <laughs> but it did get me It'll a little... it be a tough topic. It got me a little riled up at times. Okay. Like, I don't know how you counsel people without just wanting to, like, bop them in the head sometimes. Well, because I realize that I'm a person who's capable of the same things. Well, I could do the same things, too. I'm not sure you really believe that. Okay, well, that is all for today's episode. <laughs> we'll be talking more about that in a moment. You can get the full show notes at oif.link slash 277. Find out how you can help, go to oif.support. Thanks, and we'll see you next week or next episode. The Marriage Podcast for Smart People is totally funded by listeners who support Caleb and Valinda in their mission to save marriages. If you would like to be part of this worthy cause, open your web browser to oyf.support. A minimum investment of $10 per month will help restore hope to married couples. Plus, as a patron, you'll gain access to exclusive bonus content and valuable information to help you succeed in your own marriage. Go to the website oyf.support now for more information. Thanks for listening to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People from Only You Forever.